You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. sayings and apply them to our lives. When we do obey the Lord's commandments and when we step out in faith and do these things, the results are always amazing. They are not only blessings to us, but they can become grand and glorious as well. And we find ourselves walking in this glorious light of Jesus Christ, shining His light and His love on those that we come in contact with. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that when you choose to be obedient to the Lord, He will always bless your obedience. Obeying the Lord is not an easy thing to do. Sometimes it goes against what we want or might be comfortable with. But God blesses those who obey His perfect commands. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 12 as he begins his message, Hard But Glorious. continue in our study of the book of John, the gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to chapter 12 once again. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you one so you can follow along. We'll get you a Bible to you as soon as possible. Keep your hand up so a Bible can get to you. Way back there, Gordon, over there. Keep your hand up. The Gospel of John. What a great time we've been having in this Gospel. It's been a beautiful, beautiful thing that John wrote his record, wanting you to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And by believing in Him, you would have eternal life. So that's what this is all about. So if you found your way to the Gospel of John, I think I better find my way there. Yeah. We're looking specifically at verses 20 through 26 this morning. Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. If you'd like to follow along silently, I'll read aloud. Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 20. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew... And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So, have you, have you ever noticed that some of the Lord's sayings are hard? They're, they're hard to keep. His commandments even seem to be 
harder. Some of the sayings that the Lord gives, some of his commandments seem to be hard for us to keep. I mean, to be first, you have to be the last. To be the greatest, you have to be the servant. To live, you have to die. And then there's that love your neighbor thing. Some of these things are hard. Some of the things are hard for us to grasp and comprehend. And then they're even harder for us to apply to our lives. They're even harder for us to, to do these things that the Lord has called us to do. And, and we struggle trying to do these things. It becomes a great struggle. Why does it become a great struggle? Because it's not our nature. It's not in our nature to do these things. We wrestle and strive for greatness. Nobody was taught to be number two. We were all taught to be number one. We were all taught to look out for number one. We were all taught to be the best. From a very young age, we strive to be number one. We strive to be recognized. We strive to be noticed. And we strive to be esteemed. And we want others to like us. But way too often, we fail at these things. Way too often, we find ourselves empty. We find ourselves discouraged. We find ourselves disillusioned, and mostly we find ourselves worn out from the struggle. But the flip side, the flip side to all this is that when we do obey the Lord's sayings and apply them to our lives, when we do obey the Lord's commandments, and when we step out in faith and do these things, the results are always amazing. They are not only blessings to us, but they can become grand and glorious as well. And we find ourselves walking in this glorious light of Jesus Christ, shining his light and his love on those that we come in contact with. And this becomes a paradox. This becomes a paradox. Now, if you don't know what a paradox is, it is simply a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement. To live is to die. That's a paradox. It's self-contradicting. How can suffering be a blessing? How can suffering be glorious? It's a paradox. But that's what I see in these verses here this morning in the Gospel of John. A paradox. Several of them, I might add. The Lord Jesus is once again giving us hard sayings. But when we come to understand these sayings, and when we come to apply them to our lives, the result can be glorious. The result can be absolutely glorious. Someone once said this. Listen to this quote. Quote, it's hard to take the role of a servant in a world of power, but it's also glorious, unquote. Jesus had made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We talked about that last week. The crowd declared him king of all Israel. And as he rode into Jerusalem, the crowd came and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail, king of Israel. They waved palm branches, which signified an end to the oppression, an end to their suffering. They were hoping that Jesus was going to announce his kingdom. He was going to set up his kingdom right there, right then. He was going to overthrow the Roman government that had oppressed them and had caused them to suffer for years upon years upon years. The Pharisees, on the other hand, 
They weren't happy with this demonstration. They felt Jesus' popularity was growing and it was threatening their popularity. They were not happy with this demonstration. This was offensive to them. And they wanted Jesus out of the picture. Look, the whole world's following after him. They believed that the crowd was ready to give up everything they had and follow Jesus. And if they did that, they would desert their teachings. They would desert their leadership. So they felt threatened. Imagine that, the whole world going after him. Oh, would that be true? Would that be true if the whole world was going after Jesus today? It would be a completely different world in which we would live if that be the case. But sadly, you and I know as well, it is not the case. But it's an interesting statement that they said the whole world is going after him because in the very next verse, there are Greeks who are attending the feast. There are Greeks who had come all the way from Greece to spend some time at this feast of Passover. Look at verses 20 to 22. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and then turned Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Well, it is believed that between verse 19 and verse 20, a day or two had come and gone since the triumphal entry. We're now into the week. According to the other Gospels, Jesus was daily teaching in the temple, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And also, according to the other Gospels, Jesus had gone into the temple turned over the tables and cleaned out the money changers and those who were doing evil things, declaring that his father's house would be a house of prayer for all nations. But they've made it into a den of thieves. Greeks traveled all the way from Greece to get to Jerusalem. Now, according to the original text, these Greeks were no visitors. They were just mere people looking to see. The original text that says that they were accustomed to come and worship at the feast. So these could have been Greek converts. They could have been Greeks who have converted to Judaism, but we're not sure. Were they disillusioned with the Greek philosophical society? Were they, were they embarrassed by their own mythology? It doesn't say. But it does say one thing. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. I love that. Maybe they knew there was something more. Maybe they didn't understand what was happening in their own lives, and they were drawing to Jesus for answers. What a great place to be. What a great place for thee. Maybe you're here today feeling the same way. Maybe you've come in here out of the wet and the cold, and you're feeling the same way. I'm going to tell you the truth. Do what these men did. Seek Jesus. Do what these men did. Seek Jesus. Jesus, seek him while he can be found. Our God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards those with what? With salvation, eternal life. Our God is a rewarder of those who come to him just as they are, sinful, unclean, whatever. They come to him just as they, we come to him just as we are and we ask for forgiveness and he fills us afresh with his spirit. He cleans us up and we become one of his children. Keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep coming to him. That's what I see these men doing. Maybe these Greeks saw and heard the multitude along the way. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Maybe he saw them waving palm branches. Were they swept up in the moment? Did they get excited because they saw this? Yeah, possibly. Maybe they heard Jesus speak in the temple. Maybe they watched as he overturned tables, as he fashioned a whip, and he drove out the money changers. Must have been a sight. What they saw and what they heard piqued their curiosity, and they wanted a face-to-face with this extraordinary man. What did they know of Jesus that made them want to know more about him? What did they know of him? All they heard were his words. Hmm. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. They saw his actions. His actions certainly matched his words. There was something different about this man. How many times in the Gospels do we read, no man ever spoke like that? No man ever taught like that. Where did he get his authority? So maybe they heard something in Jesus' voice, saw something in his actions. Maybe they knew enough scriptures to start putting things together. Maybe they did. It doesn't say. They saw his actions, heard his words, and they were drawn to him. They wanted to see him in person. And they should be commended for this. Why? Well, what did the Jews want? A sign. They wanted a sign. Now, I just got a weird picture of Jesus holding up a sign saying, I'm the Messiah. I mean, would, would that have worked? I don't think so. But they wanted a sign. The Jews seek the sign. I'll tell you, no sign will be given except the son of Jonah or, or the, the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so shall the son of man be in the belly of the earth. He won't give them a sign. There will be no sign. But they didn't want a sign. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to be with Jesus. They saw his actions, his words, and they wanted to speak to him. You know, we should see Jesus in the same way. We should see him by his word, and we should see him by his actions. We should look to him through his word, look to him through his actions, and be drawn to him. As you read about him in the Gospels, we should be drawn to him. We should look to him for what he might do in our lives. We should be drawn ever to him. And when we see the actions in our lives, when we see changes in our lives, we should go, well, wait a minute. And I'll never forget when I first got saved. It wasn't until a little while later, and I don't know how long it was, all of a sudden I noticed that my mouth was cleaned up. I was no longer saying all these words that I used to say. I never got down on my knees and prayed, Lord, take this sailor mouth from me. My apologies to any sailors in the audience. So. I could say, take this truck driving mouth from me. I apologize for anybody who's a truck driver too. So I didn't say those things. It just happened. And I noticed that it happened. I noticed that it was different. I noticed that my life was different. I wasn't using those words anymore. I went, whoa, wait a minute. So I saw the actions of Jesus in my life. And that drew me closer to him. Because he became real, more real to me than he was. And I saw that without asking for it, without wanting it. And it made me a better witness for him. It made me, because that's the first thing people notice. Gee, your mouth is sure cleaned up. Yeah, praise God. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the one who cleaned up my mouth. So these Greeks saw this, and we should react this way to it. We read his words, we see the actions, and we should be drawn to him. Now, I love this scenario. I love this because we see that they came to Philip, 
And Philip looks around and goes, well, I don't know. Who do I ask? Andrew. Andrew's always bringing people to Jesus. I'm going to go to Andrew and ask Andrew. So then Andrew and Philip went to Jesus and said, these Greek guys out here want to talk to you. These Greek guys out here want to talk to you. It's interesting that there's no record of Jesus speaking to these Greek men. There's no record of any words that Jesus says to these guys. But there is a record of what Jesus says to Andrew and Philip. Almost like he's saying, you be the go-between, you go tell them this. Let's look at verse 23. But Jesus answered them. Who's the them? Andrew and Philip. Jesus is answering Andrew and Philip and he's saying this. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. The hour has come. Like I said last week, the time schedule was now complete. The time schedule that God had for this salvation of the world had come to fruition. It was now complete. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the exact day that was foretold by the prophet Daniel. He rode in, it was declared king, and now it was time for him to be cut off. Remember Daniel's prophecy. So the hour had come. The hour had come. It's interesting that when you look closer at this message that Jesus gives, this small message, it's a message that points to the glory of God. It's a message that points totally to the glory of God. Notice what Jesus did not say. Notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say the hour has come for the Son of Man to be crucified. He didn't say that, did he? No. He did not speak of his suffering. Instead, he went way beyond the cross to his glorification, to the glory of God. I love that. I think that's wonderful. He went beyond the cross to the glory of God that would follow. Why? Because Jesus didn't want them focusing on his suffering. He wanted them focusing on eternal life. He wanted them focusing on eternal life. Where should our eyes be? Our eyes should be on the eternal, not the temporal. Our eyes should be looking at eternal things, not the temporal things, because the temporal things are going to pass away. They're going to go. But eternity is eternity. It's going to last forever. That's where our eyes should be. That's where we should be looking to, the eternal. I love that. Our eyes should be focused on that. Well, let's finish the, 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 um, the next three verses, and then we'll talk a little bit. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Jesus answers these men. He says this to Andrew and Philip. It's a hard saying, once again. He gives them a hard saying. He says, I'm going to glory. I'm going to bear much fruit. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to hate my life in this world, and I'm going to suffer and die for you. Jesus is pointing to the cross here. He's pointing to what's coming. He then says, follow me. Die with me. I can just see Jesus with a smile on his face. Follow me and die. Die with me. Hate your life in this world and serve me. That's what he's saying here. And as you read these verses, there are two 
remarkable things that are unmistakably clear here. Those things that are hard and those things that are glorious. Those things that are hard and those things that are glorious. And as you read through these verses, you see them. Now, we can make a hundred applications in our lives. And you may feel that any application right now might be painfully personal. You may be looking at this and thinking, well, where's this going? But God is always doing something. He's not just doing one thing. God is doing multiple things. He's constantly at work doing multiple things. So as individual Christians, with many hard things in front of us, don't miss either of these, the hard and the glorious. Why? If we only see the hard part, we miss the power and the freedom. Let me repeat that. If we only see the hard part, we miss the power and the freedom. On the other hand, if we only see the glorious part, we minimize the sacrifice. We minimize the sacrifice. So I want to show you four things that are hard. Four things that are hard in the verses that we just read. And then I'll follow that up with four things that are glorious in the verses we just read. Okay? All right. So, first of all, in verse 24, the grain of wheat must die. He said, unless the grain of wheat falls in the ground and die. This is hard. What's he talking about here? He's talking about dying to self. He's talking about dying to self, dying to flesh, dying to the old life, dying to our wants, dying to our needs, dying to our desires, dying to our dreams. He's talking about hard things because you know what he's saying here? The key to life is death. The key to living, dying. To save your life, you must lose it. Wow. This is hard. These are hard things here, but that's what Jesus is saying here. That's hard thing number one. Hard thing number two you find in verse 25. Jesus calls us to hate our lives in this world. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world, etc. This is hard. Why? Because we live in this world. We're here. Many of you have to get up tomorrow and go to work. Go to school. Support a family. Do whatever it is that you normally do. That sometimes gets very hard. It gets very tedious. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. This is not our home. This is not our home, but we suffer in this world. We hate the world because it's not our home. Being friends with the world is enmity with God. That means if you're friends with the world, you can't be friends with God. How many people do you know that have one foot in the world and one foot in God? And they can't seem to get it right. How many of you know people like that? Too much of the world to be any use to God and too much God to be any use to the world. So you're kind of floundering around out there doing nothing. This is hard. In verse 26, Jesus says, now follow me. What? Follow you? Yeah, follow me. Where are you going? To the cross. Oh. You are assured. The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.